Today we live in an instant society. Do you know what I'm talking about? Society. And in fact, I think uh, we actually have said that we have a culture of impatience. Culture of... In fact, I think even can testify to this. Uh, Lydia said that I need to be more patient as a father. That's her one big uh, chief concern with me, that I need to be more patient. I don't know if Ethan would agree. But I am impatient. A guy came into my work, former water plant superintendent. While he was working there, he was always coming to me and asking computer questions and everything like that. And so now he's, he brings in his laptop to me. He's retired, but still brings in his laptop to help him do things. He was having trouble connecting to the internet. And so he brings in his laptop, he opens it up, and he turns it on. And I see it start to load up. And it's Windows 7, you know, not even the current Windows version. And I'm like, oh, man, and it's taking forever to load up. And then finally the desktop pops up. You know, it felt like five minutes, so probably only one minute. But the desktop pops up, and then I try to do stuff, and I realize it, it still has not finished loading. So I have to wait for that spinning thing to stop and for everything to load up. And, and probably all in all is two minutes, you know, probably two minutes time, maybe a little bit more. But it drove me nuts. It drove me nuts waiting. In fact, I will not buy a computer today without an SSD drive. It's got to have a solid-state drive because I want it to turn on and be up right away. And if you, if you don't know what a solid-state drive is, make sure next time you buy a computer you get that um, because you, you will thank me for that. But I, I don't think it's just me, though. I think as a society, we want everything in an instance. Ad, advertisers realize this, and so they'll put Insta or Instant in front of a lot of advertising Today. We have Instapots, right? Who has an Instapot? All right. Yeah, you can take something frozen and stick it in that thing and actually cook it. We have Instagram. We have Instacart. That's a grocery service that delivers groceries to your house. We have Instaketo, InstaVideo, Insta gift cards. There's even Insta Fitness. Insta Fitness. And in fact, if I'm honest, an article popped up in my newsfeed that was called. Seven Secrets to Instant Abs. <laughs> and yes, I read it. I read it. Like, if there's some secret to instant abs, I am all for that. But that was insta-false advertising, I will tell you that. <laughs> that title should have been um, have, Get Abs in Six Months After You Watch What You Eat and You Work Out Regularly. Yeah, if that would have been the title, though, there is no way I would have gone near that. But we want Insta Fitness, Insta everything. Wouldn't Insta Church be great? Or at least Insta Sermon? You know, when that preacher starts going on for 45 minutes. Look at our devotionals. They get shorter and shorter, right? We want the five-minute devotionals. There's, there's, there's even a, a one-minute Bible for students, I saw. A one-minute Bible for students because that's all the time that we have and yes, there is a, even an Insta-Bible. I think sometimes in the church and sometimes in our walk, that's what we expect. We want Insta-transformation change. We want God to instantly cure our circumstances and what we're going through. And that's what we pray for and we hope for. And sometimes that is a process that takes decades. And sometimes we end up questioning God, because we want him to just zap us, take something away, change something, do something with our situation instantly. We're not willing to wait 
or invest our time or to walk with God and allow him the time to change it in his perfect timing. It's the same thing with sanctification. Sanctification is a process in which we become more like Christ. It's a growth process. It starts in an instant when we surrender our lives to him, but then it's something that we grow to become more like him. It's something that we're called to die every day. Remember, he tells us to pick up our cross every day. He calls us to surrender our lives and more and more every day. So I think as a church, this is something that we need to be committed of in our Insta society. There are day-by-day processes that need to take place. There's a day-by-day surrender that needs to take place. Turn your Bibles to chapter to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. Some of you immediately when you hear Luke chapter 2, you're thinking uh, the story of Jesus' birth, right? The story of Jesus' birth, that's what I always look to on, on Christmas and what we read and what we go through. Um, I will tell you, we are not going through that. Uh, once Christmas is over, I am done with Christmas. Uh, I am, I'm the type of person that I like Christmas music the week of. Don't play it after Christmas. Don't play it more than a week before. Um, Christmas lights are okay after Thanksgiving. Don't put them up before Thanksgiving. And you have until January 1st to take them down. Don't let them go after that. Anybody still have Christmas lights up? All right. Yeah. So you need to work on that. All right. Get those down. That is not the season. Uh, There is a season for me. But today we're not going to be talking about Jesus' birth. Instead, we're going to be looking at a story at the end of that. Luke 2, verse 41. There's a small story there. And I think it's really interesting. It's really interesting because uh, the beginning of Luke 2 is the birth of Jesus. And Luke 3 is he's 30. Looking at today, Um, we have a ton recorded, not a ton, but we have a lot recorded about those three years of his public ministry, and yet almost nothing about those 30 years that happened before, except for this one account. So it's it's pretty important. If if you look in your Bible, uh, this section, Luke 2, verse 41, is probably entitled The Awkward Years in your Bible, right? No, no, just kidding. Verse 41, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. All right, so there's a couple of phrases that I want you to pick out there that are very important. All right, they are the words every year and as usual. These phrases indicate a habit that's taking place, a routine, some predictability. Every year they were going to this festival Every year, they went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And sometimes we read this, and I don't think we really think about what it means or or really understand what that meant. It's easier just to kind of skip over. But the Passover festival wasn't something that was in their town that they just went to, you know, or right across town. They actually had to travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem, and scholars say that's about 95 miles, all right? Now, we hear 95 miles, and that's no big deal, right? That's a couple hour trip. Easy, we can make that. That's like the distance from Norwalk to Columbus. I I think that's probably a little bit more, but 
That's probably something similar. But if you think about it, think about their method of transportation. They're, they're walking, they're maybe riding a, a donkey or, or something else. So this would be a, a serious endeavor for them. It says, uh, from what research I've, I've done, it would take them about five days to make this trek down there. So they're traveling for five days there. They're traveling back for five days. And then the festival is seven to eight days that they're probably staying there. So we're talking about two to three weeks. And I'm going to be totally honest, all right? When I go on vacation for just a week, all right, my wife does everything. She, she takes care of everything. She just says, get me your clothes and get me your toiletries. And, and I've basically got everything else covered. And, and she does. You know, I used to have to plan the map or, or look at the map and plan the route and everything like that. But Heck, vacation time, I'm just following Cliff, you know, or we have GPS, so it's, I don't even have to do that. Um, she's sick right now, and I tell you what, I'm like, man, the, the kids don't get ready by themselves. You know, I got to work on that, so I, you know, I'm learning that, and I, I couldn't imagine, though, planning this. I, I don't know who that is in your family, if it's the husband, the wife, or, or grandparents, or whatever that is, but could you imagine planning a two- to three-week trip and all the intricacies regarding that. Think about food. You're, you're not, you know, pulling up to McDonald's along the way and getting something. So you've got to plan for the food. You've got to plan for the lodging, place to stay, bring tents, whatever you had to do. There was a lot to this. So this was, this was quite the endeavor. Don't miss out on this. This would, this would require quite a bit of discipline to pull off. And remember, they're doing this every year. And this is just one of the festivals. So we see discipline. We see routine in here. And I believe that it's in this discipline, it's in this habit where they went year after year that Jesus starts to discover who He is. Think about that. What this, what this Passover festival was about. I, I think we long for Huge revelation, profound experiences to change us, but we want them to happen like that. Quickly. Maybe a, maybe a short-term mission trip. Have you ever thought, man, I really need to go out on a short-term mission trip so that I can have my life change, be affected by that? We send our teens every four years to NYC, and we hope that during that one special week that God will really speak to them in a special way. I think we're missing out. And how God molds us. And in how in the everyday habits, the everyday routine, the everyday relationship with our Lord and Savior, that's when God really is molding us and changing us. So we see that he went to Passover every year with his family. We also see that in Scripture, Jesus prayed all the time. He was reading the Scriptures. His, his family went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Luke chapter 4, 16, you don't have to turn there, but it says, on the Sabbath he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, as was his habit. My friends, it's easy to skip church. And, and I hate saying it's easy to skip church because that's, like I said during my prayers earlier, that's, that's not even worded right. I don't like that phrase because you're not skipping church. You're missing out on being a part of the body. Church is not something that you go to. It's something that you've been called to to be a key part of. You are desperately needed. 
The church does not function at full capacity when you are not here. And it's very tempting to say, I will skip today. It's no big deal because I just come and sit there. And if that's you, you're missing out. You're missing out on what it means to be a Christian. You're missing out on what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. You're missing out on the excitement. And when you're missing out on that, your purpose, it's very easy to not come. And I hope this is a year, if anything changes for you, if you are one of those people, I hope that changes. I hope you get a fresh perspective on what the church is, on what the call of the church is, what the serious responsibility of the church is. And I hope you become a part of that. Because that's why you were created. When you came to know Christ, He gave you gifts and talents to be used with the body. And we're desperately needing that to impact our community, to impact our world. And the enemy might say, you're, you're not really needed, you're not important. But we know that's a lie. You might be scared to do some of those things, but we all are. But you've got to step out in faith and use those gifts and talents to serve. Don't miss out on that. Every year, Jesus grew up celebrating the Passover. He'd listen to the Passover story, so just imagine this. They make it to Jerusalem. All right, Joseph has his father. It's his responsibility to pass on the spiritual teaching. Dad, did you get that? It's your job to pass that on. My dad was not around in some of the key areas of my growing up. And so that fell to my mom. And that fell to my grandmother. And they stepped up and they stepped in and they led in that respect. And the church sure helped as well. Moms, grandparents, mentors, dads, it's our job, right? To lead our children towards Christ. So Joseph would sit down, I'm sure, with Jesus and his other kids and he'd tell them the story of Passover. And I imagine... Jesus maybe being six or seven, you know, at one time, hearing about a man named Moses, who God used mightily to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt. And I wonder if Joseph looked at Jesus and said, maybe in one day there'll be another deliverer who God will use to save his people, to save all people. And I wonder if that would burn in Jesus' heart. I wonder if the, hands, the hairs on his arms would stand up. I wonder when they're watching the lamb that, the lamb that was slain and, and Joseph is teaching Jesus about the sacrifice that is needed to cover sin. Year after year, he's learning this. He's seeing this. And I'm wondering at what point did Jesus realize that he was the lamb? that this foreshadowed what he would do. I wonder, I think it's these festivals, these events that were, that were shaping him and molding him. I believe it's these routines that help prepare him. Verse 43, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 
Uh, it was not with permission. He didn't ask. But Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem. And his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. They would have been traveling with lots of friends and family. But he didn't show up that evening. They started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple playing Fortnite, right? With all their buddies. I knew I'd get that in there. That's something that you expect from a 12-year-old. No, he's found sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. What did his parents think? His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? She's frustrated. She's disappointed. They're on their way home. Man, my kids go to Monroeville, and every time they forget something or don't remember their jersey or something, then we have to turn around. You know, it's like a five-minute trip. You know, turn around. I get frustrated with that, and I can't imagine something that would cost us three days. It's hard to turn the donkey around, right? Drives me nuts. And this isn't like that, though. They've got to walk back. Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Jesus said, verse 49, Why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Do you see what happened there? Mary says, Hey, your father and I have been frantically searching for you. And who's she talking about? Of course, she's talking about Joseph, right? And Jesus says, didn't you know I'd be in my capital F father's house? And if this were a movie, this would be a point in the movie where everything just goes silent. Like the, the music is building up into this point. There's tension building. And he says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? And then there's just complete silence for a minute. And Mary looks at Jesus, and Jesus looks at Mary, and Mary's like, does he know? She's probably wondering, when's it going to all click? Does Jesus know who he really is? In Luke 1, we know that the angel tells Mary, this is, her son would be holy and would be called the Son of God. But I don't think she really grasped what that meant, really understood all that it entailed. I think this is why we have this story in here, though. Out of 29, 30 years out of Jesus' adolescent life, Luke records this one story because it seems at this very moment Jesus realizes, or maybe it's fully revealed to him, who he is and what his purpose is. We sometimes think that Jesus was born omniscient, like he just always knew these things. But there's no indication of Scripture that that's true. It, it might be. I'm speculating here. But instead, we see that Jesus grows in different things. In wisdom. In knowledge. In stature. In favor. So I don't know. I don't know what connected the dots. I don't know if he knew right away. I, I've got two kids around this age, 12 and 13. And I think that's difficult. But could you imagine the complexities and the weight of responsibility for Mary and Joseph, knowing who, knowing who they are raising, the Messiah, the Christ, 
It has to be a confusing time for them. And I don't think, I don't think that it made sense to them, but I have to think that the routines and all the things that God built into worship in this time period would have helped them to raise their kids, to raise Jesus. And I think it's the same with us today. Parents, utilize the church. Have your, church not, have your kids not come to church, but have your kids be a part of the church. Have your kids use their gifts in serving the church and show them the way. Show them by example. Verse 51, Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. Verse 52 kind of gives a summary statement that captures these years of Jesus' life from this point to his public ministry, and it says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. And this is what I want you to see. This is the important part, I think. Not that the other stuff's not important. But this is what Jesus was doing from age 12 to 30. He's growing. He's growing. He's growing in four areas, right? Wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with all the people. And in this 18 years, we don't see this. We don't see this happening. It's in obscurity. But we know God is at work, and there is a lot of growth that happens. And I think sometimes it's the same with us. We spend a, a good amount of time on our knees and in the Word, and we're growing. And maybe we don't see it as it's happening day after day. But we can be growing. And it will be seen eventually. You might not see insta change, but that's because it's a growth process. And I think that's sometimes what frustrates us, though, in our walk. We, we want that insta change. We want that insta freedom. And sometimes that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's a process of growth that takes years, decades. So don't be discouraged. Growth takes time. Jesus experienced 18 years of it. It's okay if it takes us a while. And this is why I want to just encourage you to kind of embrace some of this obscurity and, and some of this silence and some of this time where you're just growing. You need to grow. Don't stop because it doesn't happen instantly. Get off Facebook, right, and get on your face before God. God wants to work in us, through us. Sometimes maturity, though, requires obscurity because that's where the growth takes place. Once again, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with men. We hear wisdom and we think of gaining knowledge. That's not what wisdom is, right? It's never been easier to gain knowledge in our, in our world. We have access to all types of instant information. We go to Google. We ask Siri whenever we have a question. But wisdom is different. Wisdom is about seeing things from God's perspective. It's about learning to look at life and make decisions and how we see relationships and money from where God sits. It's about his perspective. And that's what Jesus is growing in. 
And that's what we're called to grow in as well. The Bible says in James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. That is an easy thing to do. And it's an easy thing not to do. Ask for wisdom every day, one day at a time. Jesus grew in stature. When I read that, I thought, well, I don't really know if I'm going to even mention that. You know, does that just mean he's, he's getting taller, he's filling out? I mean, he's 12, he's just growing up. But stature is more than just growing taller. This is a reference from Jesus growing from a boy to a man. In our culture, this is a, a big problem, Jake. We were just talking about that, right? About men today. There are more and more men who act like boys. Just because you can grow a beard and drink a beer does not mean you're a man. There are a lot of parents enabling boys to stay boys. There are a lot of women that are settling for boys instead of men. And of course, it doesn't help that women want to be men and men want to be women and men should not act like men because it offends women. And, and I don't even know what our, where our culture is going. It's messed up. But it's important for boys and girls to grow into adults, to grow in stature, and we have to encourage that. We have to expect that. We have to lead them in that direction. Boys and girls, you need to go after that. And I don't want to skip over or minimize the physicality of Jesus growing in stature. I imagine he's working in Joseph Carpenter's shop, and I imagine he is growing stronger physically. As a society, we're not healthy. And I wonder if it limits our ability to serve in some respects. I am horribly out of shape. I get winded so easy. So I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. But when you're on a Wednesday night and you're playing limo with the kids and you're sucking air after one game, you realize how out of shape you are. Uh, Jesus walked out around a lot though, right? He lived a hard life. He had to be in shape. He had to grow in stature. Think about the cross. There is no way a weak person would take the beating, take the torture, and still be able to carry the cross. Hmm. Daily. We need to ask ourselves, are we being healthy? Are we just being lazy? Are we just trying to be comfortable? Are we, are we trying to grow up? Parents, are we leading our kids in that direction? Are we allowing them to stay boys and girls? I, I tell my kids, it's my job to prepare you to be adults all the time. And when they complain, I know I'm doing my job. That's what we're called to do, though. And we're called to lead them towards Christ. And I do not do a good job a lot of times. But that's what we need to do. It says he grew in favor with God. Favor with God makes me a little uncomfortable to talk about because at first it seems like it contradicts the doctrine of grace, which is God's unmerited favor, right? But the way to understand this, and, and it's rightly so, is that God as a father, as he sees Jesus and he watches him grow and mature, it brings him joy, right? It pleases him. It doesn't mean God loves him more when he's able to do that. It just means that he's pleased with him and his growth. Parents, we understand this, right? Like if your kid learns to read, learns to walk, 
That's something that you get excited about. You love to see that. It pleases you. You don't love them more. When they get potty trained, you don't love them. Well, you might love them a little bit more when they get potty trained. <laughs> but you're pleased. Little Finley, I don't even know where he is, but we get videos all the time of Little Finley, and he's, he's pushing himself on his arms and up on his toes, and you can tell he's just, just getting ready to crawl. You know, when Annie and Emma, when he starts crawling, they're not going to love him more, but they're going to be pleased to see growth happening, right? Pleased to see that growth. It pleases God. It brings him joy when we grow. It brings our Heavenly Father joy when we grow, when we're able to get past stuff, when we're able to get freed from stuff. Hmm. For a lot of us, though, we're not growing. I kind of feel like I'm in a season where I'm, I have not been growing. Kind of stuck in the same rut. And maybe it's because I want Insta growth. Maybe it's because I forget that growth takes time. But we should be continually growing in favor with God as we mature. Let me give you a few daily questions to ask yourself if you, so that you can know if you are growing. Have I been a good steward with God's resources today? The gifts that he's given me. The spiritual gifts that he's been given me. How many of you know what your spiritual gifts are? What about the physical resources? Hebrews 13, 16 says, Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. How are you doing with that? These are the sacrifices that please God. It's how you grow in favor with God. And another question to ask yourself is, what sin in my life do I need to repent of today? Romans 8.8 8 says that if we live according to our old sinful nature, it is impossible to grow in favor with God. It is impossible to please God. It doesn't matter if you come to church. It doesn't matter if you sing the songs. It doesn't matter if you're giving. If you're living with this unrepentive sin in your life, the Word says it's impossible for you to please God. We need to take this seriously. And then it says he grew in favor with man. And this kind of sounds like a popularity thing, but it's not. It's not about how many followers you have on Facebook. It's not how many followers you have on Instagram or anything like that. This is about living in such a way that you're a blessing to the people around you. This is about living in such a way that you speak truth into their lives and you don't tell people around you what you think they want to hear. You tell them the truth. And you serve them. Are we growing in favor with man? Am I growing in favor with my neighbors? Am I growing in favor with my coworkers? Do they see me and see a person who does what they're supposed to do or do they see somebody who slacks off? What about my siblings? What about my spouse? How does my spouse see me? Am I growing in favor with my spouse? Married people work on that relationship. It takes work, right? And it's so tempting to be reactive to what your spouse does to you. But we need to be proactive and look how to grow in favor with our spouse. Every day, ask yourself, do I need to reconcile with somebody today? Is there someone I need to forgive or somebody I need to ask forgiveness from? Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible as far as it depends on you 
live at peace with everyone, right? Another question to ask yourself is, who did I encourage today? Who have I spoken life into? We are created in the image of God, and God literally speaks life into being. And because we are created in his image, we can build people up with our words. We can speak life. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage one another and build each other up. Wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. Jesus grew in these ways. And that word grew is really the key word for this message, and it simply means a daily process of becoming. A daily process of becoming. He was growing. He was becoming one day at a time. That's how growth happens. That's how it happened with Jesus. And that's the same with us. Sometimes we can be like that four-year-old boy who, whose mother takes them and stands them up against the wall and they, they mark the height, right? And they, the boy steps back and he looks at that and he waits a couple of days and, and he's like, Mom, check my height again because he thinks he's grown, you know, that fast. You know, and his mom's like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Growth doesn't happen that way. It takes time. It takes distance. Can, can we be reminded of that? Growth takes time. Don't be so hard on yourself, right? But don't excuse the lack of growth as well. It's a daily commitment if you want to grow. The Bible says in Galatians, don't grow weary in doing good because at the right time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't give up. Stick with it. Little habits, one day at a time. There's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and he makes the case that if you want to change your life, the way you do it is by making small changes and being consistent with them. I want to give you one practical piece of advice how to implement small changes into your life. He says that the most determining factor of where you end up at the end of this year is your daily habits. One day at a time, disciplines. It's the little things that you do. Like I said, it's those little things that are easy to do, but easy not to do. They add up and determine where you are going. In that book, Atomic Habits, he has this, comp this concept called habit stacking. Habit stacking. And he defines it as one of the best ways to build a new habit is to identify a current habit that you already do each day and then stack a new habit on top of it. That's called habit stacking. Okay? So I, this is something that I want you to really consider implementing in your life. For example, one of the habits that my family has to eat dinner together. And I tell you that is one of the most important things you can do as a family, to eat dinner together every night. All right? And I know that's difficult with sports, though, right? Especially when you're going in 14 different directions. But this works for my family. So... We can eat dinner together, and we've started to implement a devotional time at the end of that dinner. Jen gave my kids, the youth group, uh, a devotional, and it is an awesome devotional. And we've been, we've been doing that at those times that we, we eat dinner together. And then we've been praying after that. So we are stacking a habit on something that we already do and bringing another habit into place. Maybe... Um, driving time can be a time when you just praise God. You can stack that habit on top of that. You can pray for other people. Maybe every time you encounter somebody, you pray for them. Jake told me that every time he drove, drove past City Hall, he was praying for me. Habit stacking. It's getting in the habit 
of doing something. You can do that too, whatever it is. Maybe it's your shower time. Every day I take a shower. Maybe sometimes on Saturdays I don't. But every day I take a shower. It's routine. What about that time is the time when I get physically clean? What about that time is when I focus on getting spiritually clean? What if it's, and I'm sorry if I put that mental image in your head. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what about if that time is a time of repentance for you? You're naked, right? You're getting clean. <laughs> Mental image again. <laughs> but it's a time when we can stand before God without the masks, without anything. And we can pray and we can say, Lord, what, is there anything I need to repent of? Holy Spirit, I was doing that this morning. What do I need to repent of? What do I need to confess? What am I not even realizing? You know, maybe, maybe you put a little post-it note above your shower that says confession time. So every time you get into your shower, you add that habit to it. Little things, stack them, try it. Put those habits into place. You know, you don't have to stack them. But to put those little things day by day and trust that they will change you. Trust that that time with God will change you. It might not happen instantly, right? It might, but it might not. But trust that God is at work. Trust that the Holy Spirit is growing. Would you stand with me? I'm going to start a new one I thought of. Every time I go into work, the first thing I do is look at my calendar. I look at my planner and I see what's going on today, what's going on this week. That's going to be my time to pray for wisdom. Maybe you have a calendar on your phone. Maybe every time you pull it out, that's when you ask God for wisdom. Maybe you're the person that has a habit of being on Facebook. Maybe that's a time where every time you get on Facebook, you're going to send three encouraging messages to people saying, I remember this prayer request that you have and I'm praying for you and I'm thinking about you. And I just want you to know that you're in my prayers. And if you need anything, I'm there. What, what would happen to Facebook if we all did that, right? Hmm. Maybe don't worry about the politics. But use it for his glory. What areas in your life, what habits do you already have in your life? What good habits, all right? What good habits do you already have in your life that you can stack something on top of it to grow? You want to grow too? Here's one of the most hard places, talking to Joan about this. You want to grow? When God calls you to do something, and it scares the living daylights of you out of you, do it. Because if you say you'll do that, the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you're totally dependent on him. And I guarantee you'll go closer to him through those things. Step out. Step out on faith. We need to be growing. Are you happy? I was going to say, are you happy with where you're at? But some of you might be. Are you growing? That's a better question. Are you growing in your maturity, in your spiritual walk? It's important that you are because there are people looking at you, looking up to you. If you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a mentor, if you're an adult, there's people looking up to you and you need to be growing in your walk. You need to be serving and living for Him. Amen? Are you growing?
Are you where you should be at? There's a compounding effect that when we put little disciplines into our life that, that, can, that can have a big deal. Sometimes we just don't realize how to get started. It's just the little things. Spending time in relationship with Him. It's seeking out the Holy Spirit. Do that. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that as this new year comes, uh, I'm not big on, I don't think anybody's big on making New Year's resolutions. But Father, I pray that we would make a commitment to grow in you, that we would entrust you to it. Father, I pray that you would help us not to get frustrated when it doesn't happen right away. When we're praying for you to do something and it doesn't happen right away, I pray that we would trust you with it and we continue to, to get on our knees before you and pray. Father, help us to seek true wisdom out. Help us to grow to become adults if we're not. Help us to grow to become mentors if we are adults. Help us to just keep growing in that. Father, help us to live lives that please you and make you happy. Lord, and give us favor amongst men and women that we're around. Help us to be your ambassadors. Help us to lead people towards you. Help us to be respected. And help us to point to you. Father, I pray that this week that you would reach out to each and every person in here that knows you. And I pray that you would call them to something. Call them to do something. Lord, and I pray when it scares them and they want to say no and they want to step back, Lord, I pray that you would give them a boldness and that they'd say yes, even though that they're scared and that they'd entrust it to you. Lord, give us opportunities to speak life into people. Your life. Father, I pray if there's anybody that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they'd come up and talk to me so that they could learn there is a God who loves them, a God who desires a relationship, a Father who is desperate to see their children come to him. Lord, I pray that you'd put that on their hearts. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.